0: Amen. You guys can be seated. I have been just all honestly I've been itching to get to this passage. For a lot of reasons. You're going to see some here in a a few moments. But uh, last week, what we saw is we saw, we began to see that there was a shift in some of the language that was being used by the writer. And you picked up last week in in verse 10, uh, you see that the word we popped up, right? He started using the word we. And we see that again today in today's sermon text. He uses that same word, which communicates to us that Luke has likely joined into the effort of these early missionaries on this journey. And as we step into this, in the middle of Acts 16, we're moving into a section of Scripture where we're going to see multiple conversions that have taken place. It's going to start here with with Lydia, as you guys saw, but these are some of the first conversions that happened in, in Europe. And Lydia, right, these guys left Troas, and eventually they landed in Neapolis two days later. And that was quite some journey. Just so you know, for geography purposes, that was about 150 miles in total, that specific journey. Then when they arrived there in this port city, Neapolis, what happened is they journeyed along this thing called Ignatius Road to Philippi, which would have been about a 10-mile journey on foot. And I want to show you a picture of Ignatius Road. This is Ignatius Road. And that's me in the middle of Ignatius Road. There we go. This is Ignatius Road. You see that green with the stones looking down there at the bottom? You see the city by the the bay that is uh, present-day Kavala, Greece, which was where Neapolis was. So you can picture these guys landed in Neapolis, and they travel along a road that looks like this. That's flat stones for 10 miles after journeying 150 miles, right? So this wasn't an easy journey. Right? We've talked about this before as we look at the journey that these guys are on. We, we read these things and we think we read them so quickly, like from verse to verse, that we think, man, that was quick, that was easy, but that's not the case. They journeyed 150 miles and after they journeyed that 150 miles, they're walking on foot on these flat stones for two miles, which communicates this wasn't a cakewalk, but it, what it does also communicate is that they were commin- committed excuse me, to the gospel. So they land in Neapolis, they leave, they walk on Ign- Ignatius Road, and then they get to here. I'm gonna show another picture. This is Philippi. So they arrive in Philippi. It doesn't look like it here, but Philippi was an active place, right? It is believed to be very much a leading center in the, in the district. It was, known, it was named after Philip of Macedon. If you don't know who that is, that is Alexander the Great's dad. It was active. It was a high-level city. There was a high level of activity. There was a lot happening in, in the gold industry. I tell you that to emphasize something specific, and I want you to understand this week and especially in the weeks to come as we get farther into Acts 16, is that this city had heavy, heavy, heavy Roman influence. And you're going to understand that as we work through these these passages in the next several weeks. You're going to understand the importance of that. So they, they get there. They spend time in the city, right? We have the benefit now of reading about several conversions that took place. One of those was today's text lydia and we see in the text that they on the sabbath day instead of going to some synagogue it talks about they go down to a river and here is the river where they go down to where lydia's lydia's baptism site took place and as you can see it's not some when i hear river especially now after moving here i think mississippi river ginormous right this isn't what it is Right, And you have what happening, what's happening here is you have these missionaries, they, they go down to this river and they're interacting with some women, specifically get into conversation with a woman named Lydia. It's not in the thrust of what's going on in this booming city, rather it's in the outskirts of the city, the humble outskirts of the city. So they start conversing with her and through their interaction with her, what, what you see is the conversion happens. Gospel proclamation took place, and the text tells us that the Lord opened her heart to what was being said, and she was baptized, right? She was believed, and she baptized. So that's quite a journey, right? They traveled and traveled and traveled, and then they get to a city that's booming, and instead of spending time in the city because they there was likely no synagogue, they go outside of the city, and they go to this humble river, and they interact with a specific woman, and they speak the gospel, and the woman... Right? Conversion happens and she is baptized. I want you to have a visual of that before we dive into the text to see what's taking place. So the first, the interaction with Lydia communicates this to us. It communicates how important it is for us to remember comfort and financial means will leave you searching. And you may say, how in the world do you get that from what you just communicated? In verse 13, it mentions that they went by the river on the Sabbath, right, to a place of prayer. As I stated a few moments ago, that likely means if that's where they're going on the Sabbath to a place of prayer, it likely means that there is a, uh, the lack of a synagogue in the city. Because if they had one, rather than going to this place of prayer by the river, they would have gone there on the Sabbath. And when they arrived at the river, they ran into some women, right? It happens to be that they are conversing with Lydia specifically, and Lydia was from Thyatira, as we just read. She was not from Philippi. Rather, she was from the other side of the sea, the other side of the Aegean Sea. And we know from further study, if you dig into Thyatira and you dig into uh, selling purple goods, you know that it's likely, if that is what she was doing and that is where she was from, that it's likely that she is a wealthy woman. Right? That she is a wealthy woman. She sold purple goods, Thyatira was known for selling purple goods, purple dye. Lydia was selling those items. What you need to know about those items is they were not cheap. Purple was often associated with royalty, and therefore the prices of purple goods were high. So she's selling these high-priced purple goods. This likely means that she was doing very well financially. She was, in finan- or she was in Philippi for financial reasons, right? To sell those goods, to make money, and she was doing well at that. Why do I communicate this? Because Lydia would have, had, would have appeared to have it all together, right? She had financial means. She was a seller of purple goods and successful. But guess what? Based on what we see here, it wasn't enough for her, right? It wasn't enough. Further, one could make the assumption that if, if all she needed was physical needs... Right. If that's all she needed, why would she continue to search? Why? Why would she be where she was at this moment in the first place? Why would she be there? How do we know what she had wasn't enough? How do we know that it left her searching? Because it tells us, the text tells us, that she was a worshiper of God. Maybe if you have a different translation, translation, we read out of the ESV here. Maybe if you have a different one, yours may even say a fearful wonderer or a God fearing woman use language like that. When you do a Greek word study on that word, the word that is translated here as worshiper of God is fearful wonder, right? To, to fearfully wonder which is why some translations refer to her as a God-fearing woman. In essence, she was not a believer, but she was likely not a believer, but she was searching, right? She was searching. She was wondering, what in the world is this all about? The money and the means that she had was not enough. She was searching for more and for more. She wanted to figure it out. So she kept searching. But on the outside, as a seller of purple goods from Thyatira, she would have appeared to have it all together, Right? She would have had financial means. She would be selling fine goods that people desire to have. But even still, you have these missionaries that get there, and they're faithful to converse with her. Just because she has appears to have it all together don't mean they leave her in the dark. No, they're faithful to converse for her. They didn't look at her and see a woman who had everything she needs materially and say, okay, she doesn't need anything that we have. Rather, they engage with her. Why? Why? Here's an answer. Things may not always be what they appear, right? Things may not always be what they appear, right? Material wealth, let me say it this way, material wealth doesn't mean a person has life. Certainly doesn't mean a person has spiritual life. Rather, according to Scripture, we see that oftentimes material wealth can lead to the exact opposite. It can lead to spiritual death. Why? Because material wealth can... If we're not careful, lead to a lack of humility. Further, it can create this attitude that I don't need God. Who in the world is God and why is he going to tell me how I should live my life? I have everything I need. The rich young ruler is a great example of that. Let me read this. You don't have to flip there, but let me read you this out of Matthew 19. And behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? there is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments, he said to him. Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all of these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, it would be perfect. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You have a rich young ruler here and he's searching, right? As the possessions were not enough, they didn't seem to be enough for him. So he's searching and he's asking, Hey, what do I have to do? And his response is to walk away sorrowful because he didn't want to give them up. Yet you have Lydia here, right, who has possessions, right, who is successful, seller of purple goods. She has comfort. She has financial means. And what do you have her do? She realizes they're not enough. She responds, and she's baptized. Two different responses. From both of these, we see that comfort and financial means aren't enough because they both are searching right and they're both empty without life apart from Christ right the the path to eternal life is not comfort the path to eternal life is not finances the path to eternal life is not getting rich having the best job the path to eternal life is Jesus period so i would encourage you be like lydia not the rich young ruler be like lydia not the rich young ruler she was searching and she followed that searching with a response. The young ruler was searching, and he followed that searching with a response, but it was to turn to his stuff rather than to Christ. Let me say this as well. Further, when you're interacting with someone, when you're interacting with someone, do not use their material success. Do not use the appearance, appearance that they have it all together as an excuse to not approach the conversation of the gospel. Just because someone appears to have it all together doesn't mean that they do. You know, I was thinking about the best way to say this, and I wrote this down. We live in an image communication world. Do you guys agree with that? We live in an image communication world. What does that mean? It means that often, even if we are dying on the inside, right, we are hurting, we are broken, we don't know what to do, we're dying on the inside, we do not want anyone else to find that out. We have to maintain some image, right? We have to post a perfect picture, say the perfect thing, we have to post it from the right angle, making us look a certain way, and all the while, deep inside, we are dying and we are hurting and we are broken and we are totally empty, Financial means comfort will leave you empty. Christ will not. (laughs) I don't do this often, but students, listen to me for a second. Create good habits with this kind of thing now, right? Take it from someone who I'm not a ton older than you. I'm not going to say I'm a lot older than you because the old people in the room will give me a hard time later. (laughs) But take it from someone who is a little bit older than you, lived a little bit more life than you. Did it the wrong way for quite some time. Create good rhythms now. right? The only thing that can create sustaining joy in your life is Jesus Christ. Please learn that early. Learn from Lydia, a wealthy woman who figured out that her possessions were not enough. Her material things were not enough. She looked to Christ. Learn from her. Look to him for purpose in life. She was searching for more. And because the obedience of these missionaries to share what God had on their heart, right, and to go to this place at that time, God working through them, the Spirit opened her eyes to the gospel and she responded, which communicates something else for us. It communicates that the Holy Spirit plays a vital role in conversion. Cannot be any clearer than the statement that is made here in verse 14, Cannot be any clearer that it says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The spirit initiated a response from Lydia. In essence, she was closed off to the gospel, right? But she was searching. What happened? She's blind to the gospel. She's not listening. She's not paying attention. The Lord took the blinders off, opened her eyes, and she responded to the gospel. Holy Spirit plays a vital role. As she heard, she responded, and because of that response, she was given new life. But listen to this. Paul, right? I love Paul, one of heroes of mine in the faith, one of my favorite guys to read about in Scripture. Paul did not transform her, right? He did not transform Lydia. He communicated to her, right? Right? She wasn't transformed by his communication skills. She wasn't transformed by his boldness. She wasn't transformed by who he was or what he did. She was transformed by the spirit and the power of the gospel, period. Paul is being obedient. She was transformed by God's grace. I think it's important for us, too, to think about, yes, this happened at a different time. This was a drastically different time period, clearly by the pictures, right? The city looked different. The the environment was different. the, The culture was different. It was a different time. It was a different place. But the same conversion she experienced, we all have the opportunity to experience as well. And we see the same truth communicated all throughout the book of Acts as it relates to the Spirit's responsibility on conversion to prompt us to respond. Acts eleven eighteen. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Acts 13, 48, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. The Holy Spirit clearly plays a role in conversion. You have some folks hanging out by a river, and through the verbal proclamation by this guy named Paul, hanging out by the river, the Holy Spirit works. I read in one commentary, the guy said it like this, and it was perfect. It said, in a setting that may well have resembled more of a picnic than a prayer meeting, Paul explained the gospel, and the Lord transformed an individual into a follower of King Jesus. No more than a picnic, and God's using this brother to transform a heart. We talk about this often. We all have the responsibility to go and proclaim the gospel, right? And as you do that, remember, you communicate. That's it. You communicate. The Spirit transforms. You do not have transforming power apart from the Holy Spirit. You understand that? You do not have transforming power apart from the Holy Spirit. So to to go back to this quote, this guy said from this commentary is no more than a picnic. Think about this. Who is your Lydia? Who is the Lydia in your life? Who is the person in your life right now that you need to share the gospel with, right? To share the saving faith that you've experienced and to watch the Holy Spirit work. Who's your Lydia? Maybe you're like, I have no clue, right? Pray and ask God to reveal that to you. Pray and ask Him. Reveal to me who is my Lydia? Who do I need to step out in faith? Even if it's a simple gathering, out at the park, wherever, who do I need to step out in faith and share the transforming work of Christ with? Ask Him to reveal that to you. And this is a, this last point I've been excited to get to all week as I've really dug into this specific aspect of, of Lydia the events that happened around Lydia and the actions of her post-conversion communicate this to us. Women play a vital role in ministry. Lydia responds, and she's baptized, right? We saw the likely baptismal location of her. Baptism, right, according to what we see in Scripture, according to what we see in the New Testament, it is an obedient act, right, post-conversion, right? So she experienced conversion, that's not the only obedience that we see her live out. It doesn't end there. She continues to be obedient. She continues to be obedient. First, look at the text. Who else comes to faith? Her household. She shared the gospel with her household and they too were baptized. Another act of obedience. Second, she displayed support for Paul, the missionaries in the church at Philippi when she invited them to her home, right? She used her means. She used her home as a valuable tool for ministry. She used it to serve other people. We should be doing the same. If the Lord has given you blessings in this life, use it to serve other people. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? If you're not, I would challenge you. You know why? As a believer, the foundation of your life should be about the Great Commission, which is to go To make disciples, to teach them, to baptize them, right? That should be the foundation of all that you do. So I don't care if you're talking about your job. I don't care if you're talking about your finances. I don't care if you talk about your hobby. I don't care if you talk about your church life. I don't care if you talk about your friendships. The foundation of all that we do as believers should be looking through the lens of the Great Commission to do that. That's exactly what Lydia is doing. She's practicing biblical hospitality. Further, think about this for a second. Don't you to think about the type of life that she was living? She wasn't a stay at home mom. Thinking about my wife right now, getting emotional. She was out working, and God used her in a mighty way. So, if you're a lady in a room, listen to me for a second. I don't care if you stay at home, I don't care if you're in the workplace. God is using you. God is using you. Do I believe that we as a church according to what we see in Scripture, should adhere to biblically that the, the, there are certain roles for women and certain roles for men. Absolutely, right? One, the easiest example is the office of pastor. I clearly believe in Scripture. It's reserved for men. However, Lydia is one example of many in the New Testament where God uses a woman in a mighty way to accomplish his purposes. So I would say this to men, please never say anything different. Right, a woman plays a vital role in ministry. Right? if you want to talk to me about that personally, I can tell you the countless of examples how I've seen that with my own wife. And women, I would say the same. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Right, you play a vital role in the work of ministry. Just look at Lydia. Her family experienced conversion because of her obedience. What greater testimony is there than that? Look, I care about all you guys. I have a responsibility to love you guys. But man, my kids, Lydia, the entirety of the New Testament points to both the need for men and the need for women in God's mission, right? To take the gospel to our neighbors, to people across the county, to people across the state, to people across the country, and to people across the world. We all, men and women, play a vital role in that. I'll we'll ask the band to come back up as we prepare to close. And as they make their way back up here, the beauty of Lydia, the beauty of this this uh, passage to me is that every, as I said, and I wrapped this up, and I was thinking about the context of all this for the the wide range of people who may be in here. Every person in this room, Right. I don't care if you're a man or woman. I don't care if you're a believer or you say that you're not a believer. Every person in this room has something to learn from the truth in this text. Every single person. First, if you're here today and you say, well, I don't even believe this Bible thing. I don't believe the Scripture. I don't believe anything about Jesus. You have something to learn here, right? The world will not provide you life, period. A large bank account will not provide you life. A certain number of followers on social media will not provide you life. A booming business will not provide you life. The perfect job will not provide you life. The perfect family will not provide you life. Jesus is your only hope. End of discussion. Confess with your mouth, right? Right. That Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart and you will be saved. And then following that, what happens? Lydia, we're baptized after that. If that's you today, I would encourage you to find someone to talk to. There are dozens of people in this room that would love to have a conversation with you. I am one of them. Do that today. If you're here today and you're already a believer right? You're already a believer, but you have a hard time prioritizing Christ over your comfort and your stuff. Learn from Lydia in the same way that non-believers learn from Lydia. So should believers learn from Lydia. Wealth isn't the answer, right? It doesn't provide life. It doesn't provide fulfillment. Jesus does. Use your gifts, abilities, talents, means, blessings. Use all the things that the Lord has given you on this earth as a tool to carry out the great commission, And then lastly, if you're here today and you're a woman and for some reason you have believed a lie that has been spoken that the different roles between men and women means that women don't have a place in ministry, then do not believe that garbage because Scripture doesn't say it. Learn from Lydia. You have a valuable place in ministry. You play a vital role role in ministry. Lydia played a vital role in the conversions of others. We see that here. She played a vital role in this particular passage in equipping the church at Philippi and these guys on their missionary journey, right? You play a vital role. Foundationally, church, My prayer for us is that we would learn from Lydia and know that our only Hope for sustaining life is Jesus Christ. And that because we know that, because we've experienced that, we would communicate that and we would live that out. Let's pray together. Father, in this place together, God, we come before you yet again, and God, we acknowledge our need for you. God, we acknowledge that uh, you see Lydia here. God, we we think about the, the rich young ruler. A people who appeared to have everything, yet they had no hope apart f- from you. God, I pray that that we would learn from that. God, I pray that that tr- that message of truth from your text here is what the Spirit would use to to prompt a response in the the life of someone who is not a believer. God, I pray that you would do whatever it takes to draw them to you. God, I pray for. Uh, For myself and other believers who are sitting in this room, God, I pray that we wouldn't get caught up by the distractions that are all around us. God, whether it be discouragements, whether it be um, trying to build a sustaining, as the world would define it, life, God, whatever it is, I pray that we would not be distracted by those things. God, that we would remember that all those things are going to leave us empty. God, and we would fully submit to who you are and the call that you've put on our life to make disciples, whether that be in the workplace, in our families, God, in conversations with people across the street or around the world. God, we would do whatever it takes to go to make disciples, to teach them, and to baptize them. Not for the sake of of glory for ourselves, not for the sake of Heartland Church, God, but for the sake of your kingdom. We give these things to you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.